How encouraging was uh, that last 15 minutes? Wow. Um, oh, wait. Whoa, whoa. Sorry, no, me. Worship was great too. Amen. But, but you know, God's speaking to us in this place, right? Isn't that? Yeah, I don't want to cause comparisons. But, but um, yeah, God is definitely speaking and speaking to our people. And it's very exciting that we get to be part of that. And uh, I might hold the mic a little closer. Um, as the great senior pastor, Daniel Power, preached. Um, I'm not going to do any more than that because I'm not going to stoop to his level and make fun of people <laughs> this time. Um, last week, he, he introduced this theme of Psalms. And so it was good that he did use some references from Psalms, um, considering that's the theme of the series. Um, but he explained the book of Psalm covers three elements, uh, worship, lamentations, and thanksgiving. I'm not going to try to say that word too many more times, I think. We'll just avoid it. Um, but we are talking about ascending, descending. Um, and you could extrapolate that to good times, hard times, bad times. Um, and we're going to look at a couple of examples in, in the Psalms um, of how to deal with that. Now, if you don't know, Daniel also spoke about this, but a large portion of the Psalms are written by King David. Um, some people say up to 73 out of 50, so not quite half, but that's a significant portion. Um, and if you, 73 Psalms out of 150, oh, did you think I said 50? Oh, did I miss a word? Okay, sorry. Sorry, everybody. One, five, zero, is that better? Huh. Anyway, I read my Bible sometimes. Um, maybe my words don't come out that, uh, but if you know a little bit about David or King David, this guy knows a little bit about worship, lamentations, and thanksgiving. I was thinking, I was thinking about the story of David, and I don't know why it's not done yet, but that would make a really good Netflix series. So if you think about it, David starts as a shepherd, and he goes out and he fights Goliath. I'm thinking like Game of Thrones-esque, you know. Throwing rocks at giants and shit. I've got this, I really like that medieval kind of style stuff. I think it'd be really exciting. So we go from David and Goliath to David serving Saul as a musician to um, fearing for his life and hiding in caves to running from his own son to dancing in the street after his victories. David has an exciting life. Uh, that's what I think it would be, an epic series. So if there's anyone watching that's a director of Netflix, call me. We'll do it together. <laughs> I can make some money. It'd be great. But Daniel defined, Daniel power, not Daniel in the Bible. Daniel defined worship last week as recognizing the glory of God, expressing your love for him and placing him at the center of your life, which I think is a pretty cool definition because if you go to the Webster's Dictionary, it doesn't say that. But as a Christian, to be able to express your love for God and putting him at the center of your life is pivotal to who we are. It is our identity. And this is something that David did. I'm going to read from Psalm 62. And we missed Psalm 63 by one verse, one chapter, but that's okay. Psalm 63, if you can put the first couple up. Yeah, great. Hey, that looks pretty cool. Anyway, um, you God are my God. So this is 
give you a little bit of quick context. This is a psalm of David, and he is in the desert of Judah. And he says, you, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek for you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you. In a dry and parched land where there is no water. Now, no doubt he's in the desert. He's probably thirsty. But his soul, his whole being was longing for God. And we'll go to verse 2. We'll read the whole thing, actually. I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and glory. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live. And in your name, I will lift up my hands. And then this is the, like the, the bow on the, on the couple of verses. And it says, I will be fully satisfied as with the richest of food. With singing lips, my mouth will praise you. Hey, that's only five verses, but man, there's a lot there. There is a lot. When I gave that to Emily, she's like, five verses? Well, there's a lot here, Emily. We'll, we'll keep going. So, David. David was facing some serious hard times in the desert of Judah. It's not the first time David went to the desert of Judah. So when he says he's thirsty, it might not mean that he was physically thirsty. As a shepherd, he was tending flocks. He probably knew how to find water. He hid in the desert of Judah when he was hiding from Saul. And this time, when this psalm was written, he's hiding from Prince Absalom, his son, who had instigated a revolt against him. And once again, he finds himself in the desert. He finds himself in these hard times. And that's when he wrote this psalm. So those five verses are the four main points of what I want to talk about today. In verse 1, it's David's lamenting, and he cries out to God. He says to God that he is thirsty and that his whole being longs for him, that he is physically cut off from God. He is no longer able to go to the temple in Jerusalem. Yes, he would have been hungry and he would have been thirsty, and I assume it's uncomfortable. But mostly, he felt alone and away from God. Verse 2, he then proclaims God's power. David remembers the times he was in the sanctuary. He beheld God's glory. Early in his reign, when, when um, after he had conquered Jerusalem, David had brought the Ark of the Covenant, and he had placed it in a dwelling tent. And he sat in that tent and prayed. David experienced a closeness with God there that few had ever seen, few had ever experienced. In fact, weren't allowed to. Not only had he sat in God's presence, but he had also won many victories. He had seen God work for the, for the Israelites, for his people. And he knew that God was in control and could do anything. So he proclaims, O God, you are good. Verse 3 and 4 is his thanksgiving, his worship. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. 
and I will praise you as long as I live. David was a worshiper. That's why he wrote the Psalms, these Psalms. David loved to tell God how good he was. He loved to dance in the streets. He wasn't embarrassed. He wasn't ashamed about how good God was. He didn't stand there with his hands in his pocket and be like, yeah, that's good. No, no, he physically worshipped God. And this is what he's saying here in verse 3 and 4, that I will lift up my hands and I will praise you, Lord, because you are good. And verse 5 is definitely my favorite. This is the ascend. This is the change in his circumstances. He says, I will be fully satisfied. And I, I can't read that enough. I want to be fully satisfied. When I read that David says he's fully satisfied, I'm like, can I, was I? Like, and we're not talking about food satisfied. Yeah, well, we use that example, but his soul will be fully satisfied. Because in that moment, God rescues him. A change of his circumstances comes from worshiping God. His lifting up his hands and praising God with his lips is what satisfies him. Man, I want some of that. So in these five verses, very quickly, we see David change his perspective. From the trouble he has, the thirst he has, the loneliness he has, the discomfort he has, to worshiping God to feeling satisfied. Wow. I mean, this is why we do what we do here as well at church, right? We, we sing praises to God. We lift up our hands. Sometimes you may even jump a little bit. You might, you know, embarrass yourself. I don't know. Sing loudly when you can't sing well. Right? Because it's exciting. Get excited what God has done for us. For what he can do. Not because we've got the world's greatest guitarist or because the drummer can keep time. This one's. There we go. Because it's not about us, right? It's not about how good we are. But it's about how amazing God is. That he forgave me at my worst. Emily was talking about that then, that God forgave us. Yeah, but God forgave us at our worst. Not because we were good people. Not because, you know, I, I'm good at being a Christian. No. At the very worst is when God chose us. So I should raise my hands. I should feel unashamedly, um, what's the word? Screaming. I want to unashamedly feel like telling people, I want to praise God with no holds. Because he is worthy and he deserves it. Now, if we look at the history of, of God's um, victories and throughout, throughout the Bible, you see there's a, a strong history of worship changing circumstances. And God does it, right, so that we can't boast in our own strength, so that we can't say that we were strong enough. It doesn't matter how much Reese can bench at the gym. It doesn't matter that, uh, you know, Daniel's bicep curling 10 kilos, five, I don't know how much it is. But God uses something simple like worship, something seemingly gentle like worship, so that we would give all glory to God. 
I've got a few, and it's not exhaustive. There's heaps. But when I was preparing this, they came, the thoughts that came to mind are just these few. What about Joshua and the Battle of Jericho? If, you don't, if you're not super familiar, Joshua chapter 6, I'm not going to read it. They've been sieging Jericho, and on the seventh time, a couple, so they had days of walking around, and on the seventh, the last day, the seventh time they walk around, the priests shouted, they blasted trumpets, and then Joshua commands his army to shout for the glory of God. And the walls fell down, they just collapsed, and the army walks in. Not because he'd built a trebuchet, not because he'd, you know, climbed the walls and you know, this Netflix series I'm talking about, it wasn't because of this great fierce battle. No, because they shouted to the Lord. They blew their trumpets. They worshipped. In Second Chronicles, Jehoshaphat, this is starting to be one of my favorite stories. He sent worshippers out. Well, God told him to. He sent worshippers out to sing, to give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. That's what they said. And the three tribes invading Judah were confused, they turned on each other, and God defeated them without Jehoshaphat even going to battle. In Judges 7, we we can read about Gideon, and Gideon defeating the Midianites, that's what I was going to say, yeah. So he'd, he'd split his army up into three companies, and they had um, torches and jars and trumpets in the other hand. And they go up, and they surround the camp, Grasping the torches in their left, so this is what it says, and the trumpets in their right, they blew the trumpets and they shouted, a sword for the Lord and for Gideon. When, and the Bible says, when the 300 trumpets sounded, the Lord caused the men in the camp to turn on each other and the remaining army fled. God just uses this, right? He just uses our praise for him to defeat the enemy. Our praise is for him to change our circumstance, to lead us into something new. I think of Paul in prison, singing praises to God. Did you talk about last week? I think Daniel spoke about that last week. Someone did. And God changes their circumstance, opens the prison doors. But perhaps the greatest victory is Jesus on the cross. Jesus on the cross, in agony, says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now, that doesn't... I have have often thought that was just Jesus calling out in pain. But actually, we know those words have been written long before Jesus said them. It's in Psalms 22 if you want to read it. So Jesus says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And he starts quoting this psalm and it's the song the jews there would have recognized those words definitely and just as if i started singing a song you might start singing the rest of it i hope that they're the jews are thinking what, what's he saying here and they can recite it themselves they're going ahead because in further down in psalms 22 in verse 16 it says the dogs surround me a pack of villains encircle me they pierce my hands and feet All my bones are on display. People stare and gloat at me. They divide my clothes and cast lot for my garments. And Jesus is pointing at the prophecy that he is winning, that it is his victory. 
Because it further down, even in verse 24 of Psalm 22, I think this is what Jesus was trying to say is, verse 24 says, For he has not despised or scorned the suffering of the afflicted one. He has not hidden his face from them, but he has listened to their cry for help. And I really hope, can you imagine the Jews there reciting that song, thinking this is the end. This is the man we have followed. He's dead, dead on the cross. And then Jesus says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And they just keep singing the song. Verse 27 says, all the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord. This is the victory and the death of the cross. All the families of the nations will bow down before him and for dominion belongs to the Lord and he rules over all the nations. And that's, that's amazing. Jesus on the cross takes that time to say, it is not finished. Actually, this is God's plan. This is the plan from the beginning. And our dominion belongs to the Lord and he rules over all the nations. It is not finished. Jesus completes his mission with a song, with a psalm. So then, how can we respond in our time of troubles? When we are feeling defeated, when things look impossible to you, what can we do? Can we look back on that example of Joshua, Jehoshaphat, Gideon, Jesus, the Psalms? We can take our worship to God to change our perspective of our circumstance, to change our heart, to make a difference of where we are. Because I know I want to be satisfied, fully satisfied. We can use the Psalms, we can use our worship songs to proclaim the goodness of God. Because we worship the God who was, we worship the God who is, and we worship the God who evermore will be. We won't be quiet, but we will shout out his praise, unashamedly, with our hands held high, jumping with excitement. Because ultimately, he is so worthy, and he deserves our praise. Because he deserves it. Not because we need a change in our circumstance, although that is the outcome, but because he is so good, he deserves it. Our worship changes our perspective. It also changes our circumstance purely based on the grace of God. And we can, just as David did, look at our hard times and proclaim that God is still in control and rise above our circumstance, rise above our difficulty. We're going to sing a song, Great Things. Would you take this moment to worship God? Would you take this moment to cast your worries, your concerns to the Lord, to praise Him because He is so good, because He is so worthy, to praise Him so that your circumstance may be better, that you would live for God, that you would do what God wants you to do?